Welcome, everybody, to episode 14 of Midwestern Fins. I'm one of your hosts, Haggy, and we have our other host, Taylor, and we have two special guests from the Rockpile Report. We have Drew Gear and, and Chris Kruger. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. You can just call him Taxi Driver. I mean, a stupid mohawk. <laughs> I don't have a mohawk anymore, but, I mean, I had it for 10 months, and it was glorious. Women loved it. All the women that we never met. All of them that I never saw ever anywhere. The reason for that. <laughs> How are you guys Haggy doing? I, good. I just want to say Haggy and I are from the Midwest. There are no women here. <laughs> That's a, that sounds like an awful way to go through life, but at the same time, it might also be pretty sweet during football season. I'm married, and I got to say. Had <laughs> a boy hit me hard home. Let's go. <laughs> Well, all right, so you guys, obviously, from the Northeast, right? Oh, yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, we live in Buffalo. Buffalo right. residents. Bill's oh, shit. Yeah, and uh, Drew, you're a season ticket holder. So our favorite question to ask people is, what do you know about the Midwest? Okay, well, when I think Midwest, I think there's a couple different definitions of the Midwest, depending on who you ask. Some people, if you were to ask about the Midwest, they think Missouri. Because Missouri does kind of seem like a central location in the U.S. You are pronouncing that wrong. M Missouri? It, if you live in Missouri, it's called Missouri. See, see right yeah, there is black Missouri. people. So I'm getting down here in Missouri. <laughs> Nobody likes those people. It's, <laughs> there's, the, there's Missouri, and there's that kind of Midwest. So people think St. Louis. They think, you know, barbecue. But there's, I, I, I also believe that there's the Badlands version of the Midwest because the the left coast doesn't want to claim it, so, so they're kind of in this no man's land. Your Dakotas, your Nebraskas, your Wyoming's, you know. I don't know. Right, right. Nobody wants to live in South Dakota. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Midwest outside of uh, that. My brother lives in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay. Okay. I know that it's here. Here's three things. I know that it's flat. I know that there's barbecue and I feel like tornadoes just absolutely love you guys. They do a, a little bit farther east of where Haggy and I are at, but tornadoes are a thing. I would say um, where, where Haggy and I are at snow is far more prevalent in, than really? any other type of weather. You oh, guys yeah. get yeah. snow out there. So now that's so now I, what is, what's your average snowfall in Buffalo? Do you know the average snowfall in Buffalo, Chris, I, I'm sure Chris could, you know, Google machine it, but ultimately right, we well, get enough Google snow, machine it. We my hometown, my hometown's 30 year average is 210 inches a year. 30 years. You had 210 inches. Okay. Every year. 210. Oh, every year you get 210 inches. Yes. It sounds like a lot, but then at the same time, when I, okay, so I was living in an apartment with my ex-girlfriend and we were already kind of on the rocks at the time, which makes this incident just even more hilarious. In a 72 hour span, we got 89 inches of snow. In fact, no, I Hell think yeah. it fell in like a 48 hour period because it just crippled the city. It was like a snow globe just sat down on a portion of like 15 miles and just buried everyone alive. And then outside of that, everybody had grass. And we were just stuck here in the middle of, 
and I was so I'm stuck in an apartment with my ex-girlfriend who already hates. Well, my girlfriend at the time who hates my guts. So, so I, every day I was filling a backpack with beer and just going out into the snow to go see what I could spend my day doing, not being around her. So I don't know, in terms of overall snowfall, you guys sound like you get a lot. At the same time, what we get is the sudden crippling snowstorms, yeah. which is I, almost worse. I can relate. So six years ago, um, early October, the most snowfall that my town got in one day, 24-hour time frame, was 63 inches. All right. And All right. The biggest, the biggest snowfall ever, and like we've talked about this at Midwestern Fins before, and maybe Haggy can back it up a little bit with his snowfall, but my hometown's biggest snowfall was 117 inches in five days. Wow. All right. You know what? I give you, Chris, toast to these guys. Cheers. To the two of you, because I'll tell you, you guys might be the only people that we've ever talked to in the form of a podcast who understand what it's like to just have a snowstorm come and fuck everything up for your <laughs> Not just like, oh, okay, my afternoon is somewhat, uh, I'm somewhat inconvenienced for the afternoon. No, your plans are yeah. shot for like a week. You're not going to work. Fuck you. Fuck your plans. You know, good, good luck. Hopefully you went grocery shopping this weekend. <laughs> Man, and see for me, it's not as much snowfall because like we don't we don't get as much as where I'm at um, in Montana, but ours is just like dead cold. Like last year, like we got hit with the thing with the, like negative fifty with wind chill sort of thing. Like that's more where we where I get hit. Yeah, see, I don't want to. I know I live somewhere where the air hurts, but fuck all that. You guys can keep it. <laughs> You guys stay out there in the Midwest and keep that shit with you. <laughs> All right. Well, shit. Did you guys uh, pick a charity for the week by chance? BB&G Charities. BB&G, it's funny because we actually just did an event for them over the weekend. Uh, they host a thing called Potathon. They get they get together a lot of uh, local broadcasters, TV personalities, radio personalities, podcasters, bloggers. And they do almost like a live podcast in front of people pay to show up and there's beer, open bar, there's food, there's like Chinese auction type kind of raffles. And it all goes to support BB&G Charities. And BB&G Charities is essentially a group that they collect money and then what they do is for kids in the city of Buffalo, inner city kids who might not get experiences and things like – because when you think about what Boy Scouts was, picture, picture something like that. You know, leadership training, outdoors training, you know, just – giving kids experiences of getting outside the city and getting to see what else exists out there. Well, this charity, that's essentially what they do is they raise all this money and then they pull all these kids together, usually from boys and girls clubs and things like that. Kids sign up and then they, they host these elaborate events where they teach kids all of the stuff that you might learn in a scouting program or something like that, boys and girls. And it's just, I think it's a being a guy who went through boy Scouts growing up, and having had that kind of adult interaction and leadership training and things like that, I know it did a lot of great things for my life. So knowing that this is a charity that prioritizes giving that to kids who might not get it anywhere else, that's a huge thing for the city of Buffalo. That's badass. I like that a lot. Haggy, you're the stat guy. You got anything cool? I don't, I don't have any stats, but... That's actually a really cool idea to just uh, the live podcast thing, the potathon. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's yeah, a lot I, of fun, and they get all these people together. And then what you do is, 
you as like an audience can interact with the people that you're already listening to. Like, you know what I mean? Like picture that. Like people can come up to Chris and I and ask, why do you not like Josh Allen? <laughs> they can say, how come you don't like your quarterback? Or even just tell you that they think you're stupid. Because if you're if you're doing a podcast and you're putting your ideas out there for public consumption, odds are your skin's thick enough to take it. Yeah, well, <laughs> usually people, the first thing people ask you in public when they see you is, why haven't you been to an orthodontist? <laughs> Listen, these are Swiss Army teeth, all right? <laughs> Survival tool. <laughs> Man, if I did a potathon in South Dakota, I think there would be one person there, and that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, there's no. only like 28 people there, so it really is a great time. So, stats, you guys are talking about stats, huh? Uh, oh, we no, we usually just have like stats. awesome, yeah, like, like those, what kind of um, like, uh, yeah, well, so like we featured, um, this was the 13th charity that we featured so far, and Usually we can um, bring up some stats like St. Jude's Children's Hospital helped 5 million kids in 2018. They've increased life expectancy by 75%, right? So that, mm -hmm. that was kind of the stat that we were talking about. Oh, okay. Now, you guys seem to do a lot of work with charities. I think that that's really cool. Like, I think that that's really cool that you guys are at least putting that out there. Like that's a focal point of what you're trying to do here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's my favorite part of the podcast for sure. And the the cool thing, and I love hearing stories about it. So, like, you went to a potathon to help the charity that you picked. Every single charity that we've had on has meant something directly to whoever picked it, whether it be a guest or whether it be Haggy and myself. Like, mm -hmm. every single podcast has had a direct uh, correlation to our lives, and that's always awesome hearing cool stories about that. No, well, and that's the thing. I guess like this charity, it, it hasn't done much because we just started a few years ago. They kind of got it together. It's been in existence for a few years now, and it seems to be fairly successful. But I think the thing that I take away from it, I guess the reason I think it's a worthwhile endeavor is because I know I go back to Boy Scouts. You know, when I was a kid, you know, obviously I grew up in a very rural area, but there's Things that you take away when you get put outside of, you know, even my friends who were in scouts who lived in the suburbs. When, when you get sent out in the middle of the woods and you have to learn things, learn things. <laughs> I still remember half the knots that I learned. And do I use them all the time? No, but sometimes it comes back and I remember things like you know, when you're in groups of people as kids, seventh grade, eighth grade, 10, 12, 13 years old. You learn how to delegate responsibility. You learn how to work as a unit with other people to accomplish goals. And that's when you're talking about formative years. That's when that type of stuff really needs to be reinforced with people. And one thing I've noticed is that you know, me and all of my brothers went through it. And I think we're all stronger people because of our involvement. And so seeing that there's another program out there that's specifically targeting kids who need that sort of thing in their lives. It's, it's, it's absolutely positive because if we have any hope, <laughs> if we have, I mean, you look around, you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Instagram is a thing that I almost refuse to look at because there's enough shit out there that makes my, it just, if there's any hope for the world, it's going to be leadership training for today's youth. And that's why I think this is such an important thing to support. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Like that's sort of one of the uh, leadership is kind of some of the things that I 
or tried to teach with my kids that I uh, I coached middle school football this past year. Nice. So, yeah, it's one of the, definitely the same sort of thought line of uh, you know building good leaders is was very important to our whole staff. But it's great. That's good shit. Well, right. uh, before we before we move on, uh, I got two questions, and I think it's it's pretty standard for us. But is there anything that you guys want to know about the Midwest? About the Midwest, I'll, okay. First of all, and this is going to be interesting hearing it from your perspective, since you're not stuck in it, and therefore you are not beholden to you. Know, you don't have to be a homer about this. Is Midwestern barbecue really that good? I mean, I'm a barbecue. Uh, Attic. I smoke meat. I'm I'm big into it, and at the same time, all I hear is "Well, Kansas City, St. Louis style." Bah, 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 bah. Is it actually that good? It's, it's pretty good. Go ahead, Haggy. You like, this. It's not like south, like the level of the South, but it's not super far off. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's like a notch below it, but it's not. It's not there. You know. Okay. So it's passable. Like if you go, if you come out here, you know, have some barbecue, you're not going to be like, oh, this is disgusting sort of thing. Because mm -hmm. like I think I think I've got a lot of family from Carolina and that that's kind of shaded my view of barbecue because everything they do has a lot. Their sauce has it's a lot of the things they do are vinegar based. They they prioritize tang over a smoky flavor, whereas, you know, Texas has its own style. Kansas City has its own style. So it's I'd be interested to see what that's like. Chris, what do you want to know about the Midwest? I don't know. I guess is the I guess the only thing sports related I would have is is it is it as big of a baseball area as I hear on TV? Yeah, it's pretty big. I would say baseball is huge. So I'm actually a baseball coach in the summertime. Summertime I coach American Legion and uh baseball is Equally as popular as football, if not more so. Okay. So how about ice hockey? Because I know that in the Dakotas, I mean, there's a couple of the schools out there that are, you know, obviously Minnesota gets a lot of the national attention, Notre Dame, Michigan. But I know for a fact that there's some of those Dakota schools that are pretty damn good at hockey. Yeah, North Dakota State's probably the best one for me. Um, I The thing about hockey that really pisses me off is it's not really offered as a high school sport around here. So if you want to, yeah, if you want to, if you want to play ice hockey for you know, like Western South Dakota, there's literally like one hockey team and it's called the Rushmore Thunder and it's based out of Rapid City, South Dakota. So that was one team and it wasn't even a sanctioned high school team. It was just, it just happened to be a team in Rapid City that was high school aged. Jesus. But yeah, with that being said, all these I'm, prospects then. Well, it is it, it is odd because uh, you know I grew up, I spent my high school years living in Atlanta Georgia and playing uh, travel roller hockey. There was a dude on my team. Okay. Yeah. Roller hockey. Uh, yeah. He, he talks about roller hockey, and all I can picture is: Are you guys Seinfeld fans? Yes. <laughs> okay, so he talks about roller hockey, but he'll call it hockey sometimes. And in my head, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm so good. I did the Michigan goal, and I can I score X number of goals a game. And I'm picturing Kramer doing karate against the kids. That's what I picture when he talks about roller hockey. Yeah. 
Well, there's a dude on my travel roller hockey team from Alpharetta, Georgia, who actually went to North Dakota and played hockey. So it was a little weird reading North Dakota's roster, and it's like Winnipeg, Manitoba, you know, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then it says, oh, Brad Miller, Alpharetta, Georgia. Like, it just doesn't fit. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty that awesome. So, I guess with that being said, I actually bought tickets to um, the Rapid City Rush, which is a local hockey team there, ECHL. I actually bought tickets for myself and my work for the season this, today. So I'm pretty excited about that. I've, I've been wanting to you know, kind of be a season ticket holder for any sport. And even though they're, they're considered a professional team, um, really like their stadium only seats – 3,000 people, so it's not really that big, and they're only ECHL team, but they're affiliated with the uh, Minnesota Wild, so it's pretty cool. It's kind of like a farm. I know how that goes. I, you know, you having lived in Atlanta, I used to, I think the last time we had a full season NHL lockout, I want to say in like 09, I went to about 40 Gwinnett Gladiator games who they also play in the ECHL. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, I think 2009, the Rapid City Rush actually won the eighth ECHL. So it's kind of funny that you say that. So, or it was one of those years. I know that like the first two years that the Rush existed, they won both years, which was weird. Because usually expansion teams aren't good. <laughs> no, no, expansion teams aren't good. Neither are the so, Miami Dolphins, though, so it's okay. Yeah, the Dolphins have been an expansion <laughs> team forever. It was just like this little period where they were good, and then just, yeah. You guys got to help me. Scratch an itch here for me. How are you guys? Now, Chris and I live in Buffalo. We're Bills fans. Chris grew up here and then moved to the South and came back. I've been here my entire life. How do two guys from the Midwest end up Dolphins fans? This is so awesome. Uh, so we had Carrie Steele on um, the Ballpark Food Sherpa on a few episodes ago, and she asked us the same question. Um, so my uncle Jason was born in Florida, and his dad was a Miami Dolphins fan, so he was a Dolphins fan. Uh, when I was growing up, I was an Oakland Raiders fan because my mom had a fat head of Jerry Rice in her room. <laughs> and Jerry Rice was the only NFL player that I knew um, growing up, and he happened to play for the Raiders then. But after they lost the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers, I was like, I need to find a new team because fuck the Raiders. And my uncle Jason <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah, my uncle Jason was like, hey, I'm a Dolphins fan, so you should like the Dolphins. And that was right around the time where Jason Taylor was, you know, the most dominant player on defense. So I just naturally grew up liking the Dolphins because of Jason Taylor. And my uncle's name is Jason, and I'm Taylor, so it just happened to work out that way. Okay. What about you? So, uh, my dad was a Dolphins fan because of Marino, so stuck with me, kind of got passed down. Um, I have something I wanted to kind of come back to. It's really interesting that you said that the Carolina's barbecue stuff is pretty vinegar-based because uh, a lot of Taylor's food is soy sauce-based. Oh, my Especially fucking God. <laughs> Fuck you, Peggy. All right. If you guys haven't put soy sauce on your spaghetti, don't fucking knock it until you try it. I'm absolutely going to knock it. I don't need to try it. That's right up there with Skyline Chili. Oh, don't try it until you... It's, it's literally 
Apparently you're taking big shit and throwing it on noodles. That sounds like, it sounds terrible. I don't it's need liquid. to skyline chili to know that whoever, whoever created that needs boiling water thrown in their face. And I don't need to try soy sauce <laughs> because that sounds like a terrible time. It sounds fucking like amazing. You guys, all right. I'll, I'll just keep it as my secret. And you guys can go fuck off somewhere else, but I absolutely That's will. Not- <laughs> I'll fuck off, off over here with food that doesn't blow. How about that? Uh, sorry about that. I had to throw that in there. Kind of like how you had to throw in uh, Chris's mohawk. Uh, <laughs> you bring so. it up and he just by default primps it. Mm-hmm. I see his hands come up and he starts playing with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys, we come over to do a podcast. Most people can't see us. And yet I want your listeners, anybody who's listening to this right now, understand that Chris puts product in his hair to do a podcast. No one can see him, but he has product in his hair. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're, you know who has a better mouth than you is Sloth from the Goonies. Listen, I may have... <laughs> your, teeth, your teeth are disgusting. <laughs> like I said, Swiss Army teeth. They've gotten me out of a lot of jams. <laughs> oh. Perfect. So... Hey, do you want to ask... Oh, go ahead. So, we talked a lot about the Midwest already, our show, Midwestern Fins, you know, half our show. Um, so, this week, uh, our teams are playing each other. That's why we invited you over. We thought it'd be a real fun time. So, what do you guys think about this matchup? <laughs> well, see, now, I, I was feeling, see, because see, I'm a Bills fan, and I don't know how to take, I don't know how to take the idea that our team might be good. Because I've watched so many Bills teams that aren't good. I've watched teams that pretended to be good. I've watched right up until they broke our hearts, let us down, kicked us in the balls on our way out the door. It, I've, I've seen it all. And so at 4-1, and one, the Miami Dolphins coming in here, my instincts, my spider sense is screaming, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it because you're going to get tricked and something catastrophic is going to happen to you. And yet, by all accounts, there—I mean, there's not a whole lot of things the Dolphins do right. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. You know, Pro Football I, Reference I, does a nice job of kind of section. They, they put together just a collection of all of the records and all the statistics and all the standings, and they just block them all out next to each other. And on offense and defense, as far as league ranks go, I see a lot of 31s and 32s <laughs> for scoring defense, for points scored, for everything. I, it just—it sounds like. People joke if a college team could beat an NFL team. And everyone says, no, because these guys are pros. And these guys are the best guys to ever make it out of college. But I feel like you almost have to make an exception for the Dolphins. Yeah, sounds about right. I don't disagree with anything you just said. (laughs) I want to know, what's it been like for you guys? What is this roller coaster ride? Now, obviously, there's people who are pro-tank. There's people who are anti-tank. There's people who believe that you should go out there and try to win every single week. There's, I'm sure that this process is killing a lot of people. It's just giving people anxiety. It's bothering folks. For you guys, personally, when you watch the team losing, when another team scores on you, do you celebrate? Or is it just one of those things where, what's your reaction? So personally, so personally, I don't celebrate when other teams score. I'm not like going to be the type that's going to be all bitchy 
if the Dolphins lose that week because I know that we have like no talent. But I'm also not the per- like so this last game, Dolphins had the Redskins on their own like one yard line, right? Like Case Keenum was like a foot away from getting sacked, but he throws up a bomb to McLaurin for like thirty something yards, and the whole stadium erupts. <laughs> So, like, that's the state of Dolphins fans right now. That's pretty great. I don't know if I actually buy that. You sure that there were people in the stands? <laughs> it was I, crowd noise I mean, okay, they're saw... mostly Redskins fans, but. Man. I, I mean, I think everything that Dolphins fans are feeling can be summed up in this one tweet by Vero Delfino, the, uh, the Fourth and Inches podcast. On October 13th, he said, I hope we win this game. That being said, I hope we lose. LMAO being a Dolphins fan in 2019 is some wild shit. <laughs> like, everybody I feel like in your fan base has to be conflicted because you want to be good in the future, but that requires you to be the worst you possibly can be now. And that's what's happening. That's what we're seeing play out in front of us. So when I think about what this game is going to be, I expect that you guys are going to come in here. I mean, even when you guys were trying to be competitive, the Dolphins always sucked when they came to Buffalo. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but short of Dan Marino, the Dolphins haven't really had any success here. No, I don't, I don't think so. Ryan Tan, I remember, I know Ryan Tannehill had crap stats when he played Buffalo. I mean, I think he had five. Hey, on a Tannehill had no career wins here in Buffalo. Hey, Reggie Bush and Ricky Williams had 200 yards rushing in Buffalo. Well, and they, hold on, hold on. they still lost one of those games. And you still lost one of those games. No, no, Taylor, Taylor. What? It wasn't Reggie Bush, I don't think. It was J.H.I.E. He went no. out for 200 yards, and they won that one. Because I was there. Reggie Bush had 200 yards, too. Christmas okay, Eve, so the J.H.I.E. game. Do you want to know how I remember the J.H.I.E. game? Because Rex to- Ryan had, uh, what, 10 on the field? Nope. Here's how I, w- I will always remember that game. My friend and I, again, season ticket holders, we decided we were going to leave because we knew what was coming. I was like, listen, even if they get to overtime, it's not going to matter. <laughs> we're going to lose this football game, and I could be home with my family. So we're leaving the game, and as we're walking out of the stadium and across the parking lot, this hammered guy walks up to us and asks me if I can give him cigarettes. And I laugh because I don't smoke, and I was like, no, nah, man, I don't. And he goes, man, if you just give me a cigarette, I've got a whole keg of beer back here at my car, and you can have some. So I walked 10 feet farther away from where we were standing and bummed two cigarettes off a guy, brought it back to this, this drunk idiot. And now we're standing at the back of his truck, drinking beer out of his keg. And he and his girlfriend proceed to have like almost a full blown domestic while we're standing here. And the whole time he keeps proclaiming that he makes the best, he, his quote, I'll never forget it. He was the king of the South Towns, which is an area of Buffalo, New York, that's super rural. Nobody gives a shit about it. King of the South Towns, and he made the best fucking taco dip on earth. He and his girlfriend get into this full-blown domestic, and he he goes off to chase her. And the whole time, I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not a fan of when a guy pushes a girl. I'm going to punch this guy out if he comes back. And my friend looks at me and goes, no, let's just get out of here. And I see this guy's taco dip sitting on the table. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm not going to kick his ass. I'm stealing his taco dip. To this day, I still have and still use the Pyrex dish that he made that taco dip in. 
And every single time I use it, I laugh and I think back to that loser just stumbling around drunk outside the stadium because he got kicked out. And I think to myself, you know what? Fuck that guy. That was a great day. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, the Jake Dye game. It'll it'll forever be burned into my memory. Every time I make chicken in that pan. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, but you're right. The Dolphins suck. They're not good this year. I mean, and I guess my question for you two, I mean, you had us on here, and I, I feel bad asking you so many questions, but I'm genuinely curious. That's what we want. What, what do you guys think? Obviously, you know, people are saying this is the year you're bad. You're going to get some good players. You get a lot of money to spend. You're going to get better going forward. What do you guys think about what's going to happen if you're wrong? What happens if you guys miss? I mean, no we said it on a podcast a few weeks ago. In fact, two weeks ago, we were talking about it. Going into week five, there I went back to 1999 and looked at the records as of week five. There were never as many winless teams heading into that week as there were that one, which means there's a lot of bad football being played in the NFL right now. There's not a lot of parity. Most divisions have one or two teams that are absolute crap. So you guys genuinely have some competition for that number one pick. What happens? I want each of you to answer this in your own way. What happens if you guys don't get the number one pick after having to endure this season? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care where the Dolphins, and I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. The only thing I give a shit about is if they actually hit on the draft pick. I'm so tired of seeing Deion Jordans and Charles Harris's. <laughs> and it's, it, I, I, I said this last time. The best first-round draft pick the Dolphins have had in the last decade was Ryan Tannehill. And he wasn't that good. He was an average fucking player. And I'll remind you again, Taylor. Laramie Tunsil is playing elite right now. He is not. He is too. <laughs> if, he was, if he was an elite fucking player, the Dolphins would have not gotten rid of him. The only oh, reason why Laramie Tunsil got traded was because of Kenny Stills. Wait, how does that work? The oh, Dolphins my. needed to get rid of Kenny Stills, and the Texans would have not taken him if Laramie Tunsil wasn't included. That's, I think Kenny Stills I was the driving thing. That's okay. fine. You can just... So Taylor, you, you, so, Taylor, you think that he's elite? No, I don't. Haggy does. Okay, so Haggy, you think he's elite. My yeah. co-host here thinks that Derek Carr is elite. Yeah, and he I, hasn't lived up to expectations. And I think that you may have a case of whatever Chris caught over the course okay. of the last three years when he's been telling me that Derek Carr is, a, is an elite quarterback. Josh or Allen's me. better than Derek. Wow. Okay, Dave, listen, let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I already so. said soy sauce belongs on spaghetti. We're good. That's that might be that might be the one thing I walk away from this podcast. Just I, I, every time we talk to someone new, I take a couple things away. This is gonna be this is one of those things. See, I'm surprised that you say that because you love condiments. I've seen you take a nacho cheese Dorito, put taco sauce on it, lime juice, hot sauce, mayonnaise, <laughs> ketchup, and mustard on it, and throw and shovel it <laughs> in your mouth. Listen. It's not soy sauce on noodles, all right? <laughs> uh, um, 
going back to your, your original question, uh, I would be ecstatic if the Dolphins didn't get the number one overall pick because almost every Dolphins fan is talking about Tua, who I think is overrated. And I won't go too far into it because I've had enough rants of this already. <laughs> but, like, I, I really want some pass rushers. So, I don't know. If we draft all defense with all of our three of our first-round picks, like, that's what I want. I don't care about where we pick them. There might be something to that, though, if you're watching this year's NFL. Gardner Minshew, Kyle Allen, these guys were guys who were overlooked coming out of college. But they're smart and they're accurate. And you're, you're seeing what, what good defensive teams can do when they have a smart, accurate quarterback. They haven't been blown out of any of their games, even the ones they've lost. Kyle Allen's 4-0. Kyle Allen, undrafted free agent quarterback. No, he didn't have the arm strength that wowed all the scouts. He wasn't the best athlete, but he was smart and he was accurate. And those two things together are what it takes to win football games when you're playing for a complete team, a team with a good defense and the running game to support it. So there is some logic to what you're talking about here. There really is. And if anything, I'm sure Jake Fromm will fall to the second round. We can pick him. We've got two second-round picks. Like, we've got the picks. we got the money. Like, just build the team. Because you look at Tom Brady, he's not actually that great. Like, he's Tom Brady's up. mediocre now. It's, it's happening. It's finally happening. They'll still win a shitload of games because they're the fucking Patriots. And because Bill Belichick is the evil genius behind all that. I mean, there's a reason that when Brady went down, they still won 11 games. Because it's not Brady – so much as it is whoever sits in that seat has the best head coach to ever do the job on their side. I'd say second best, but yes. Who, wait, who, who's number one in your book? If it's not Bill Belichick, who? Don Shula, of course. Only Don perfect Shula. season. Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, most wins. Oh, Don Shula. Easily. He had the, okay, we had this fucking conversation before. Dan Marino ruined the Dolphins. Because he didn't win a fucking Super Bowl. With that being said, what's it feel like to go four years in a row and not win any of them? Uh, I'm just glad I wasn't in my 20s when that happened because they would be the reason I would be an alcoholic. Fair enough. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, so that's where, that's where I'm at. Like, you kind of asked the question. So I mentioned earlier, like, I'm all part of the no expectations. I literally have... Zero expectations for the Dolphins. I'm going to be okay with the result. I'm tired of letting the Dolphins ruin my fucking life. Um, there are far worse things in life than the Dolphins losing, and I've definitely learned that in the last few months. So no expectations. Be okay with the results. It is what it is. I mean, I hope that the Dolphins win. If they do, that's going to be great. But I've gotten way past the point of wanting them to win. See, I feel like that's... For me, I still can't get there with the Bills. I mean, you're talking to a guy, you want to talk about you know, how much it's taken from your life. You know, we just had to explain to some of our fans that you don't understand. Like, it's all fun in games when you when I'm a, being a volatile human being and it's to your like it's it, you enjoy it. You get a laugh out of it when I'm bashing our quarterback and I'm drunkenly falling off of a podium after giving one of our mock press conferences. We have a legitimate podium. 
and a professional backdrop, professional lighting, the whole nine. And we do press conferences. Well, I'm three sheets to the wind after the games. <laughs> and I fell hard. Like, I thought, I, for, for a minute there, I thought I shattered my elbow. And I knocked the wind out of myself. And it was hilarious because people got to see it on camera. And people were like, why are you so angry? You're a bad fan. You don't like our quarterback. At the end of the day, what you don't realize is I'm a volatile human being. And you got to see a little bit of what the people like Chris, who have to deal with me, like that's their entire lives, is being surrounded by this guy. I'm the guy who wants my wife. Le'Veon Bell, it was a December football game. Le'Veon Bell had almost 300 all-purpose yards against the Bills. I mandated that we leave the Bills game early because I wasn't going to sit there. I was like, if I'm going to suffer and I'm going to suffer watching this shitty game, I'm going to do it at home with chicken wings where the beer is free, where the beer is free. So I went home. My wife comes home later. Me and my friend, my friends leave. I'm still two fisting beers and just bitching about the game that was over like two hours ago. My wife asks me if she wants, you know, she's going to wash her stuff because she went to the tailgate and she smells like smoke because there was campfires all over the place because it's December. So I give her my clothes and she comes back out of the laundry room and realizes that I'm behind the wet bar that's in her house. Just nothing but a smile and flip flops and two beers. And now I'm in a basement bar in the middle of December in Buffalo. And she looks at me and goes, oh, my God, it's only like 60 degrees down here. Don't are you going to put clothes on? And my response, I guess, I don't even really remember it, was just the bills make me too angry for pants. And I spent the next four hours walking around the house butt naked with a beer in each hand. I'm that guy. The bills have done that to me. (laughs) That's what they've turned parts of my life into. So I absolutely hear you when you're talking about not letting a team just suck the life out of you when they're trying, when they're, when they're purposely trying to do it. Also, shout out to my wife. How the fuck did she marry me? <laughs> We've been engaged at that point. Well, we know she's got low self-esteem. I mean, look <laughs> at your face. <laughs> uh, so, all right. I guess you guys, uh, you guys talk a little bit more stats and things like that. What, what uh, do you think of the final score of the game this weekend will be? Well, if I'm talking about the final score, you want some statistics for your listeners to take home with them. I give Chris charts. I break things down. I do a lot of statistical research. You guys have given up a shitload of deep balls. It's ridiculous how bad your coverage has been when people throw the ball 10 or more yards. And Stop I, that. I Stop th- one thing. Eric Rowe does not belong on an NFL roster. I remember you there were some Dolphins fans who thought it was such a coup when they signed him away from the Patriots. And in my head, I'm like, I don't know. He got benched like twice. <laughs> Belichick kept benching him every time he got an opportunity. And if Belichick can't make you look good as a defensive player, you probably aren't very good. Exactly. He was a fifth string corner. I also don't think Bobby McCain belongs at free safety. Dude's no. a fucking. So what's happening I think here still is. Learn. So, so in the first three weeks when you guys got blown out and were on pace to set the, like the scoring record for defenses, teams were completing more than 75% of passes 10 yards or more in the air. Multiple touchdowns involved. I think that if the Bills can get some of that going, then it's going to be another shit show for you guys. But that works to your advantage almost because all of a sudden that's the one thing Josh Allen can't seem to find. 
He can't get a handle on throwing the ball 15 or more yards in the air with, with any kind of accuracy. So I don't know if it's a byproduct of they've tried to make him stop running. They've tried to make him stop running and they're trying to force him to throw from the pocket because they want him to develop into a pocket passer. With that said, he's just not making these deep throws that he used to, which seems to be the thing that people have just been slaying you guys with. So I absolutely think that if they can get that going, this team will be a blowout. This game will be a blowout. And if they can't, it's going to be a lot closer than people expect. Well, then as for a score, dumbass. Score? Oh, and if we it's can gonna get be... the deep passing game going, <laughs> I'm going to call 24 to 10 because I think that at some point, inevitably, Fitzmagic's going to get put in. And like he does, he's going to fucking, he's going to rub the ball on his beard, give it that old spit shine, and people are just going to start catching it. All right. I love the consistency over here. I mean, we just did our podcast and you gave a completely different score. And I'll stick to the score that I said on our show. I said 10 points. You said 20. You just said 24 to 10. And on our show, you said 20 to 10. It's going to be 17 to 3. I'll give you guys three points. You're welcome. Yes, your guys' defense. I Yeah, that sounds about right. I think you're going to score at least 24. I think 24 is a low ball number. Really? That's going to be that's going to be a Frank Gore revenge game type thing. Because like you said, Josh Allen is just not accurate. Good Lord. Stop the run either. Point. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. don't let anyone in the Buffalo media. T- he he had seventy. He had seventy-one percent completion percentage last year and last, last week. week, and a quote-unquote one hundred percent adjusted whatever adjusted accuracy. Who gives a fuck? Those are loser <laughs> statistics. I'm sorry. You threw a pick and you only scored fourteen points. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Uh, yep. Hey, has uh, had the Dolphins passed for more than 200 yards yet this year, Haggy? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think we've ran for over 100 yards either. Oh, there's no way. Kalen Balaj is a team. You guys would be lucky to get 200 yards total offense against us. That's one thing I will say. If you guys are hoping on making hay against our defense, the I answer's mean, no. You have an offensive line that I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm 5'11 in some change. I've got yep. long arms. I could probably go out there and replace at least one of your tackles, if not oh. both of them. Like, it's it's pretty bad. You guys are Jesse Davis. You're talking about three rookies playing on your offensive line. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here now, rushing. Rushing, rushing, rushing. You guys have not had a 100-yard rushing game. Um, you passed for exactly, uh, what is this, 11 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Yards lost due to sacks. That makes more sense. 179, 100. So you cracked 200 one time. That's where you guys have fallen. And in terms of rushing yards, yeah, you haven't cracked 100 in a single game, and you got a couple in here, even against mediocre defenses like Baltimore. Baltimore just had to trade for Marcus Peters because their defense isn't very good. The Cowboys. The Cowboys' defense is okay but not great. Um, the well, Chargers, the Jets. So that's actually a pretty awful defense, really, if you think about it. Yeah, that's bad. And yeah, I see nothing in here that would give anybody any kind of confidence. You guys can't run the ball. You can't throw the ball. You can't pass protect. Um, at least your cheerleaders are hot. At least you got that going. Fair enough. Your statement. So here's my point with your guys' defense, right? When the Dolphins were trying to be 
like good. Tannehill was wrecked every single time in Buffalo. I mean, to the point where if he eventually got pulled out for injury, that was probably like at least eight sacks or something. I don't know. But that was when we were trying. And now, oh, geez. Here's it's, a note here's a, here's a note that I don't know if anybody's ever talked about. And maybe this is just my own theory. The Bills stole a first round draft pick from the Dolphins because the only reason the Dolphins drafted Jawan James was to stop Mario Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it. What the, but then Here's here's what I love about Mario Williams. So then in the, if that's the narrative, then that makes me feel even better about this because not only did you draft a tackle who, I don't know, I mean, I guess he's pretty good, and then signed somewhere else, <laughs> and then, then left. He was mediocre, but then got overpaid and left. But then you signed Mario Williams. And he sucked for us. He was terrible. He had quit on football as a whole. I mean, at that point, I'm pretty sure he was he was more concerned with, like, did you guys see the video where he broke into his ex-wife's garage? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a video of him just in, like, a tank top and shorts, like a beater and shorts, just in his wife's garage. And she's recording and yelling at him to get out. And he's just mumbling. And I don't know what the hell happened there. But I'm pretty sure he was more concerned with just what to do with all the money we overpaid him than he was about football at all. And then you guys went and gave him another $8 million. So yeah. good for you guys. Mario Williams ruined both of our teams. That's right. Hey, another side note while we're talking about Mario Williams and defensive ends that we overpaid for. Is it just me or is it fucking ridiculous that Robert Quinn has more sacks for the Cowboys already than he did for the Dolphins for an entire season? Well, it's because it's Miami. There's so much more stuff to do there. You're not, you're, you don't have to care. Yeah, cocaine's pretty good there, probably. I think the culture in Miami, honestly, if, if, if we wanted to end this with any kind of a conversation, since we're talking about players who underperformed and things that didn't go right, if there's a hope for you guys going forwards as, as a franchise, it's that Brian Flores really can be, he can bring the type of effect that Sean McDermott had. You know, what, before Sean McDermott, we had cycled through coaches and, you know, everybody had their own shtick. You know, Dick Duran was just kind of the quiet guy who was supposed to be cerebral and a defensive thinker. You had Mike Malarkey, who, I mean, I don't know what his fucking deal was. He was your offensive coordinator for a hot minute. He just loved to run draws on third and seven. Like that was just. Oh, it's out of gaze. That's out of gaze. But we've seen these uninspiring coaches for both franchises year over year over year. Sean McDermott shows up here in Buffalo and immediately brings a culture of accountability. In that first year, everybody thought Buffalo was trying to tank when we traded away Sammy Watkins and we traded away Ron Darby and we started we started shipping guys out left and right. You know, we, we got, run, got rid of Marcel Darius and everyone said, oh, well, the Bills are just trying to be as bad as they possibly can be. And we went to the playoffs and gave a team that was a couple plays shy of the Super Bowl, a run for their money. It's because our head coach came in and instilled a new culture as a whole of just, listen, we're not going to put up with lazy bullshit. Guys like Mario Williams, who are just here to collect a check, you're not fucking here anymore. We will find a way to get rid of you, even if it means we have to eat shit to do so. 
you have to hope that Brian Flores could do the same thing for your team next year when he's got the money and the assets and everything in his back pocket that he can start to ship out guys who don't want to be here, like Kenny Stills, guys who are problems, people who don't buy in, you ship them out, but you have draft picks and you've got capital. You can rebuild the team in your own image, and you have to hope that that's the future for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that's a good point. I would say as a Dolphins fans with expectations, that was what I would hope for, but no expectations. <laughs> I'm with Taylor on that. All right. How are you guys feeling about this pod? It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I had to hear Drew yell about Midwestern barbecue. And <laughs> I mean, I hear that on a daily basis. So. I just I, I yell about a lot of things. I've got a lot of rants. On a team that's worse than yours. What did you say? That you got to shit on a team that's worse than yours. I know. It feels <laughs> good for once. I know. Which is weird because usually when I shit on a team that's worse than ours, it usually comes back to bite me in the ass because it turns out we're not worse than them. Well, usually it's like either a college team or a CFL team or an XFL team. Well, like I, we were talking about the Fitzpatrick contract. When Ryan Fitzpatrick came back and we signed him to all that money and then we went down to Dallas, who had like two wins at that point. And we were like, oh, we're undefeated. This is going to be great. We're going to go. We're going to go down to Dallas. Our quarterback just got paid. And then we got shut out. Not even shut out, but we got blown off the field. The game wasn't close. I remember that game. It was the first time I had sex with my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, guys, as Bills fans, we every traumatic sports memory has some tie into our lives. It just sears itself in our brain. Fair enough. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. I had a good time. I had a blast. Yeah, we had a blast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you guys next Bills week. Hell yeah. Let's do this again. All All right. right. Have a good night, fellas. Later, guys. All right, we'll talk to you guys later.